As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma. We are going to talk some Cubs. Patrick Mooney is on uh, vacation this week, so you will have to make do with just me and Sahadev. Um, one of us will have to uh, offer up at some point when, when one of the two of us gets uh, happy and excited. The other of us will have to be like, whoa, now, hold on. Uh Yes, Patrick is very good. He plays his part very well. Um, so we will do our best in his absence. Uh, to that end, kind of, we've got a, some some ups and downs to discuss on this one because since we last recorded, the Cubs uh, pulled off a, a pretty darn impressive series win over uh, a Braves team that is probably among the handful of best teams in the last few years of, of baseball in terms of the regular season, full roster composition, performance, and that is just a unbelievably loaded uh, Braves team. So that was that was a really solid win. Um, actually, maybe let's start there before we talk about the the opening loss in New York. So we said uh, all of us. I think we said it on this podcast, and I believe all of us wrote it as well. That going into that Brave series, it wasn't going to be a measuring stick. You know, it wasn't going to be like there were times when we had seen them play in series. Dodgers earlier this year. Um, the, you know, New York Yankees series, but last year, a couple years ago where they got just smoked and you're sort of, you, you come up with a sense of either, either you do belong on the field with this team or you do not belong on the field with this team. And I think we all went into this Braves series thinking, well, for one thing, this Braves team is just sort of outrageously good and anything can happen in a series when you're playing a team that good. That's it's just not going to tell you much about your own team. And conversely, we already know this is a competitive Cubs team. Like there, there just wasn't going to be any information in that series that was going to change my mind in either direction about it being a 
baseline competitive solid Cubs team and so in fairness even though they won the series I didn't want to leave it feeling like uh oh they're really good now this is uh they're better than the Braves um so you know I just left it feeling more like I was glad that they performed not only to win the games but they sort of performed in the way we had seen them performing over the last few weeks they won it sort of in the same kind of way yeah I mean the the offense uh was pretty relentless once again they uh, especially Sunday I thought that was a great game of uh coming back every single time uh Atlanta put up runs uh putting together great at bats, really grinding, grinding down the starter. Bryce Elder uh, is kind of coming down to earth. Uh, Charlie Morton looked good. I thought, I thought he looked good and they were hitting him and they were putting up good at bats. Um, you know, one bad game by one bad inning from Kyle Hendricks. And it was that, I mean, that lineup, I don't know. Like I just sit there and I'm just like, Where's the easy out? I mean, now that Orlando Arcia is putting up, and frankly, Orlando Arcia has never been an easy out for the Cubs. I like. I feel like every single time, even during his worst seasons, uh, which are numerous, uh, he he was hitting the Cubs. I mean, he's he came up with that big hit in Game One Sixty Three. Remember, I'm pretty sure that was him, right? Uh, but it, it seems like he always has hit the Cubs when he was with Milwaukee, and now he's uh, now he's just hitting everyone. Uh, but that lineup is just relentless and, and terrifying. And, and there's uh, Matt Olson. If, you know, if Ronald Acuna didn't exist, Matt Olson would be like among the leaders for MVP candidate. Right. He probably still is. Uh, but it, what a that team's awesome. And I, I think what I came away from that series was a really great offense for Atlanta. I, I see why they have the best record in baseball. I like it all makes sense just watching them. You look at the lineup, you get it, but I'm just saying watching them it's like, oh, that's there's no easy out there. And other thing was like, what a fun weekend in Chicago. What a fun weekend at Wrigley. The weather was kind of icky, uh, you know, uh overcast, rainy, not great days, but just fun times at the ballpark. Everyone showed up. Uh, Atlanta fans showed up and, you know, did their little racist chant and and were drowned out by Cubs fans, which was nice. Uh, but it was it was good to feel that at the ballpark and really feel the intensity again. Um, and it's it's nice to be able to see that at the ballpark. I, that, that's what I came away with. I'm not going to say the Cubs are better than Atlanta because I don't think they are. But uh, it, it's nice to see competitive baseball, great baseball against really good teams and two good teams frankly just the Cubs are a good team and we just need to move past that and analyze this team as it is because they're they're good and we can accept that now yeah if you wanted to yeah if you wanted to take any kind of big picture thing from it all it would be is a reminder of something we say all the time about the postseason which is just get in and and things can happen you know and you look at a series like that which was not a postseason series, although, man, it did have the feel of uh, some of those intense moments, like Fulmer with the bases loaded. Ooh, like There were some that was fun. intense yeah. moments that had like a postseason feel to it. It's just a reminder that, yeah, you, you, you can win. You know, it's baseball. There's not – it isn't like some of the other sports where you see the matchup and you're like, well, that, that team can't po- cannot possibly win this game or this series. And in baseball, it's not that way. You can have advantages at the edges – just get in, just get in. And, and I think that, that that spoke to me in relation to the decisions that the Cubs made at the trade deadline to say, you know what, we are going to try to just get in. You know, I think um, 
there are some other teams, um, you know, the Reds stand out as a team that could have done quite a bit more at the deadline. The, the needs were, it's not as if they didn't have any needs. Um, and then they went on, what, a six-game losing streak right after. And I think, I'm not saying they didn't appreciate the value of just getting in, but I respect even more the Cubs' decision to do so, not just because they won games, but because you look, again, at a series like that against the Braves, and you're reminded, you know, if you do get in, things good things can happen. So um, maybe that's where we'll leave that. Um, let's talk a bit about, <clears throat> we'll save the Mets thing for a moment because the smiley portion sets that up well. Um, let's talk a bit about the lineup as you, uh, aptly recently wrote and you note noted just a few minutes ago, it has become a, um, just up and down really, uh, disciplined lineup that is giving pitchers difficult at bats. It's not letting anyone off the hook. Um, I feel like what well, Christopher Morell had one recently and then Dansby Swanson had one this weekend, a, a bases loaded walk in a intense moment with close pitches with a pitcher who was battling well. And it was just sort of, uh, I'm not, I'm not giving in, you know, if you, if you're going to pitch around the edges, I'm not giving in and I'm going to take my walk. And I think that that was emblematic of kind of the feel of this, um, Cubs, lineup ever since you know well I won't attribute it to one thing directly but I am setting up a discussion of post trade deadline Jamer Candelario being added there is something that has clearly changed in the lineup there's one specific thing that has clearly changed and we know the flow of events if you've got Madrigal you're wanting to play at third every day that means Candelario has to play first which means Cody Bellinger has to play in center every day, which means if you want Mike Talkman in the lineup, which you do, because right now he's got to be leading off virtually every game. Just got to be. Well, he's got to play right field because you're not sitting Christopher Morrell, so you're not putting Talkman at DH every day. And that means that uh, Seiya Suzuki is going to be sitting most days, which aligns with his own struggles. But it's, it's an interesting thing to discuss because it isn't just his struggles. It's not as if he's being sat down solely because, oh, he's not hitting right now, so we're sitting him down. It's it's also that, you know, someone has to sit and the 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 flow of positional movement makes sense that it's him too. Yeah, I mean, others are producing, right? This would be a tougher decision if Talkman wasn't just putting up great at-bats on a daily basis. It seems like every single... I'm just... I think uh, people, what was it, late June, uh, Talkman had a little blip there, late June, early July, and people were like, ah, here it comes, here's the, the, the Talkman magic's over, this guy's, you know, it, that was a flash in the pan, oh well, it was fun while it lasted type thing, but no, he's continuing to put up great at-bats, he's actually better since then, he had that blip and he's he's hitting for more his, power and, and continuing. Yeah, his contact quality has gone way Yeah, up. like there's those hard hit line drives uh, to left center with consistency uh he he looks like a really really good player out there right now I, you know is this a one-year thing i don't think we need to worry about all that stuff right now just write it while you can uh but yeah absolutely i think talkman uh bellinger being healthy and then swanson coming back are the huge big keys to this offensive turnaround and then Madrigal's obviously been a quality 
you know, he's been strong at the plate, right? And he can handle third base. Um, I think <laughs> there's been some – the more you watch Madrigal at third, the more you're just like, yeah, he he's competent there. But I, I wonder about these metrics. I, I start to wonder about these metrics. There, there was that, that play yesterday where he fielded a ball. <laughs> I swear, I was like, how far is he going to run to first? <laughs> it was – it was it was just fascinating to see how how uh, how he's really using that. I, I know he's been trying to do that, take a couple steps, but that was like a you know a good uh, like I'm almost to the mound here. I'm gonna throw the ball now. Uh, anyway, uh, yes, this is it, it's just the right decision, right? Once you bring in Jamer, you you can't be any you can't be patient anymore with Suzuki. Especially now, it's one thing if it was kind of those struggles that we saw before where he was just hitting the ball hard but on the ground making quality contact taking some taking a bunch of walks these are some of the worst at bats i've seen in a while like even his pinch hit yesterday whoa like every single time now every single game he plays he's gonna have one of those awkward half swings where it's clear he's guessing like that's not playable i don't know what you do right now other than just like try and get him right uh you know the team's gonna remain optimistic uh i like i don't want to i know fans are so ready to always just write someone off uh as if they can never bounce back right i I understand that everything that's happening right now is is how is how everyone wants to react to and and just that's what it's going to be in perpetuity it you know Say Suzuki is salvageable, I believe. I think he can be a really impactful player still. There's something going on in his head that just he is not right at the plate. Like those swings, it's, I mean, you know exactly what I'm talking about if you've been watching the games and they're happening over and over and over again. I can understand once or twice it happening, um, but when it happens, it's been two, two and a half weeks now that it's been happening with regularity. There's just something wrong. There's like he needs to just. I, I'm not sure what the solution is, other than what they're doing right now. I don't know if they need to go to an extreme nature of Phantom IL, something like that. Maybe it's just a lost rest of the season for him. I don't know. It is possible that a reset. Like I, like I just. I don't know if he'll play on Wednesday against a lefty. Um, all that stuff. It, we'll just have to wait and see. But it's clear that he's not. It's almost like they forced, uh, he forced their hand, right? Like, this wasn't like a, oh, man, what do we do? It's just, we got to sit Suzuki. Like, this is obvious. Like, we can't mess around right now. He is not producing, and his at-bats are terrible. He's not giving us walks. He's not giving us quality at-bats. We have to sit him. And I think that, like, he made the decision easy for them. Yeah, there's... and it's you just have to watch to see but there's always been a difference between what it looks like when a guy is guessing up there versus when a guy is selecting and attacking Um, because it is a part of at bats that you are thinking about how a pitcher might attack you what might be coming in certain counts what they might try to play off of each other you're trying to shrink the zone by focusing on you know you're trying to cut off half of the plate or you're trying to target a certain type of pitch depending on the count etc that that is okay that's that is a part but when it gets to the point where it just seems like you're a half move behind on every pitch because you're trying to 
guess every single pitch, that's when you get those uh, takes in counts that make no sense. You know, it, it, uh, you're at your head and you're taking a fastball dead red down the heart. That doesn't make any sense. And that's because you got you, you outthought yourself or you're taking those half swings because you are thinking fastball, you're geared up and then it's off speed and you're like, ah, shit. And you can't stop yourself because you committed to the guess. Um, and guys go through this. I think what's hard for some fans to accept with respect to Suzuki is because they, they feel like he never got himself fully established as a quality big league bat, which I would take some issue with that, but I understand that that's some people's perspective. Um, and because they haven't, they feel like they haven't seen that from him. It's a lot harder to give him the grace of saying, well, this is just a period of time. You know, I, I feel like we have seen this season from some very successful Cubs hitters, couple week periods where it felt like, yeah, he's kind of guessing up there. He's thinking a little too much. Um, and they get time and they bounce back. And that could have been the case with Suzuki in a different world. He plays through this. It's a two, three week funk, uh, you know, a couple bloops fall. He starts to get his timing back. He's shrinking the zone better, you know, whatever. We've seen it a million times from a million other players, but because of the combination of the Cubs competitiveness at the moment, the lateness in the season and Talkman and everyone else producing, it, it, this is just how it had to go. There was no, it's like you said, he forced, he forced their hand because of the circumstances it isn't to say that the Cubs would always, in all circumstances, take a very accomplished international player who has shown some very quality metrics in the States and sit him down after two or three bad weeks. That, that's, not, that's not what this is. It's really, there's a lot of circumstances and a guy who is, well, let me feel you out on this. You know, when you wrote about this, you had, you had quotes from Ross and from Dustin Kelly um, about how Suzuki's doing right now. And it did feel like they were saying without saying that it really is a mental thing that he's just up there that he's doing, he's doing too, almost like preparing too much, trying to play the chess game with the pitcher instead of letting it come to him. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I I'd say that they, there, there's no physical issue here, right? They, they like his swing. They know he's a good ball player. I know fans don't want to hear that when someone struggles, but like he's had some great stretches. He's looked impressive at times. Last year, when he'd get in his rhythm, he looked awesome at times. Uh, there were flashes. There have been flashes this year. They haven't been as long. Uh, I think it, it's it's been an odd year for him. And uh, one thing that you didn't say there, Brett, like uh, like if they were out of it, like it's not just like just giving him time to give him time that he's got three more years on his deal. Like he's a part of this. He's supposed to be a big part of this contention cycle. So uh, they want to give him, uh, you know, they, they want him to thrive, right? He needs to thrive uh, for this to really work well. Uh, I mean, imagine if he was doing what, imagine if he was a 120 way to run straight plus, which he essentially was last year, right? that's not great but it's not bad if he was that right now the, the Cubs would be thrilled with that because that's basically what Mike Topman is so yeah it's just it it it's a it it almost certainly is a mental thing but I I don't know if like it started with I got to get my mechanics right my swing feeling right and now 
and now I'm feeling things out and now I'm overthinking everything because the emphasis and now I spoke to Dustin Kelly about two or three days before he got benched um, benched right that's uh, with air quotes uh, they haven't called it that but that's essentially what it is uh, and and he immediately said like the fastball stuff he we've we've been focusing on fastballs we've been telling him you know, sit on the fastball essentially because your swing is good enough to to correct for the breaking ball and and anything off speed, but you can't adjust to the fastball if you're up there guessing. I actually, I'm going to be writing about Talkman soon, and he says something similarly about just how his approach works. Like he's always ready for the fastball because it's all about timing and space. And when you when you're ready for the fastball, your timing is right, and and you have space to hit, and then you can adjust from there. Um, right now, like oh man, the number of down the middle fastballs that Suzuki has taken that he should be crushing is uh, is jarring. It's not just taking; is he's either taking them or then doing that half swing with them uh, and swinging through them. So yeah, it's it's a mess right now for him. Um, I think it's important. For the long term that they get him right, I don't think it's absolutely essential that they do this season, but I think it could take the offense. Here's the thing. The, the offense, not everybody's going to be clicking like this for the next month and a half, two months. What do we got? Two months. Um, so you want Suzuki to bounce back. You need him to get have a hot stretch because... While Bellinger carries the team and Swanson is hitting long balls right now and, and you know, Talkman is hot, someone's going to go in a slump eventually. Someone's going to struggle. Like Ian Happ was struggling and now Ian Happ looks good at the plate again, right? So you need to, you need to be able to cover for these guys. You need a deep lineup. You need a deep bench. Uh, it's, it's just how it is. And, and I, I really think, you know, for this team to like kind of surprise even further, I think they're going to need Suzuki. It, it, it's it's not essential, but I think um, it can help take them to another level and maybe push them deeper in the playoffs. Well, and forget performance. Someone will get hurt yeah, at some point. Someone in this chain of players is going to get hurt, and it's going to result in moving everyone around again, which that's a luxury the Cubs have because of this roster. It's a, it's a wonderful thing that there are, you know, 15 different formulations of, of how they can get the same group of guys into the lineup. Um, but at the end of it, you still want all of the bats to be productive. And so that's going to mean that if right field opens back up, well, it'd probably be Suzuki as it should, but you know, you'd actually need him to produce at that point. And, just just statistically that's more likely than not it's more likely than not that someone in this chain will get hurt for at least a couple weeks um and maybe the cubs will get lucky and that'll align itself well with suzuki finding something and getting in a good rhythm and and who knows uh but until that happens i think i i appreciate the cubs approach to this which is can't can't try to work stuff out in mid-august of a competitive year 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So, speaking of which, let's talk about this uh, loss to the Mets last night, which Cubs didn't score a lot of runs. Senga was really good. That that fork ball was really, really good last night, I thought. Um, and the rain delay came and sort of mucked up other plans and whatever. You You look at the production of the lineup and you say, well, Cody hit and that's about it and throw the rest away. Fine. It happens. Um, but even if they had put together another one of these five or six run performances, they're, they're still going to lose. And that's because Drew Smiley had another rough outing. The, the two Alonzo homers stand out obviously. And those were bad pitches, man. Those were bad pitches, but those are not as punishing. If there aren't guys on base, if he's not getting lined up all over the field, otherwise, if he's not walking guys, um, and you all know, listening, it's a continuation of a stretch, and you could you can say it's been six really bad outings, uh, or you can actually go back to late May, and it's a it's an ERA over seven, and it's really only a handful of outings that were good competitive outings against about ten that just I think the Cubs won some of those games because they. They managed to make it work, but it was about 10. It's been about 10 of his last 13 outings that just were not giving the Cubs a chance. And you come up to the same question as you would with Suzuki. Like if Drew Smiley needs to work on some things, if, if he, he can get right and you need him to get right, but how much longer can you afford to be letting him take these starts or even a, a piggyback on an opener to work this out? Uh, especially at a time when the Cubs are already without Marcus Stroman, who himself was not right. And the Cubs pulled the cord on that one, uh, which I think was the right move. You know, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is it's hard to justify Drew Smiley taking the next start when his turn comes up in the rotation. If you're if you're serious about not leaving anything on the table to compete right now. Yeah. Before we get before I get to Smiley, I just want to touch on what you said about the how Senga was great. I, Senga was great. I, I thought there were some opportunities and some things. I, I think it's so interesting how one little thing goes wrong and, and it can derail a chance for the offense. You know, like there was that close call Nico should have had. That, that would have been bases loaded, right, if Nico takes that walk. Um, bases loaded, no outs. There was half slipping on the base and then that ending a threat and then there was there were there were a couple things where it's like all these things have been going the Cubs way lately and they didn't go their way on that night now I'm not saying that like 
that uh, the Cubs should have won that game. I'm just pointing out that, like, this is a, interesting how baseball works. Sometimes, like, everything falls, and and that one ball that falls through, like, you know, gets through a infielder's glove or whatever, uh, it, it changes everything, and it goes from no runs to four runs, whatever that is. Uh, but I, I thought they, they put up good at bats, and, and like, the, the offense is the least of my concerns right now. They continue to impress me, even – scoring just two runs yesterday i thought they they put up some good at bats especially pre uh rain delay and then uh the two runs that smiley gave up uh to make it seven two uh i thought that was a lot of the rains coming down pretty hard they should have probably put it in delay earlier two infield yeah two hits on the infield i'm pretty sure i mean like if, if that's a clean weather that's a no run inning uh, in my mind, but the point that you're making that's completely valid and correct is that Drew Smiley isn't getting the job done right now. He knows that. The Cubs know that. There's a reason they've been creative with him lately. Opener twice against St. Louis. Um, it, you know, I I I don't know for sure what they're going to do, but there is the option of not really skipping his start, but having, I guess it's skipping his start and it would be, you know, uh, whoever takes Stroman's start in, in Toronto, right? It would not, that the, the, they have multiple off days. Well, they, they could, had been, they had been planning only one. Yeah. Skip. Stro- yeah. They were planning to skip Stroman's start anyway, using the off days. So this, this is tricky. Yeah. So it, with Stroman on the IL, it's, I think it's going to be, I mean, it just makes too much sense to start Assad or Wisniewski. We'll see how the next couple of games go, but um, that I think makes sense against Toronto. Toronto has like a one fifteen way to runs created plus against lefties. They they crush lefties, uh, but beyond that, I think it like this is another thing where people just want to say DFA, get rid of them. First of all, you can't do that. You just cannot get rid of pitching depth at this point in the season. He's a veteran. He ha- he's he's proven that he can he can pitch well. He's in a really rough stretch right now. Um, they need to figure out how they can use him. I don't love the idea of moving him to the bullpen. I know it's a one-year sample size, but he's not doing well against lefties this year. Um I don't know how you'd really use him out of the bullpen. He's he has experience in there. Well, he'd have to be yeah. he'd have to be a true long reliever, right? Like he would have to replace the role of whichever guy took his. I, spot. I, and and that's tough. That's tough because I don't think Ross would like Ross wouldn't use him as a lefty reliever, right? As a as a like he just wouldn't trust him in that situation to get a lefty out in a big situation. Uh, he. He really likes having Wesneski and Assad in the bullpen because they've been performing so well out of in those roles. Um, and it really lengthens the bullpen. It really makes sure he doesn't have to lean on uh, the four guys that he's been leaning on and Fulmer, Leiter, who am I missing? Uh, Alzali and am I missing someone? Merriweather, thank you. Uh so, you know, he's been leaning on those guys. Those guys have pitched a lot lately. There's Whenever I see on Twitter, like, why did he go to this guy? Why isn't he pulling this guy? Hey, like, are you only watching this baseball game? 
because the bullpen's gassed. They're in the middle of 16 straight in 16 days. Uh, you cannot pull the pitcher every single time in the third or fourth inning. Eventually it catches up to you, and you're going to not only lose that game, but cost yourself multiple other games going forward. I know it's always the desire to win that game that night, uh, and and that's absolutely Ross's desire because he's so competitive, but you can't always go to the best uh, best uh, reliever, and you can't always just say, like, oh, it's obvious this guy's struggling, you got to pull him. Like, you have to push guys sometimes. You have to try and save your bullpen. You have to try and, and, and see if they can weather the storm and give you an extra inning or two. He tried to do that with Smiley last night, and Smiley couldn't do it, obviously, as the weather got worse. I I don't know what the answer is. I don't think it's as easy as just remove him from the rotation. I, I don't think it is. I, I think it, it it really complicates things. Uh, when Stroman returns, I think the most important thing is Stroman needs to return, stabilize the front four of the rotation, and then you have to kind of figure out how you're going to pick and choose moments to kind of maybe use an opener. Uh, yeah, right now they just need to get through this stretch of no Stroman. I think part of it is let Assad or Wisniewski start this weekend in Toronto. I think that. I don't know what decision they've made, but I think that's on the table. Uh, I think they should. I think it's just give them a break in that Toronto series. Like they they really hit lefties well. Uh, I don't think it'd be. I, I don't think it would end well. And and you need to kind of uh, find ways to pick and choose when he goes. Uh, I think that's the ultimate thing. Like get to get to Stroman being healthy, and then you can kind of pick and choose, see the matchups. How long do we want to use him? How's our bullpen looking? Those types of things. Uh, another thing is, like, so your depth was Wisniewski, Assad, and then potentially Ben Brown, right? That was your depth. And now it, it Wisniewski and Assad are in the bullpen and needed to an extent, and and Ben Brown's on the AAA IL. So it's just, it's it, that complicates it all. It, it's just, it's not as simple as take him out of the rotation um, because it it like it it changes everything else with the bullpen and and makes things more difficult. It creates another problem essentially. Uh, not only in the nearer term, but potentially over the next eight weeks. Because as we've talked, as we've talked about at length in relation to the trade deadline, the Cubs are going to need innings. You know, it's it's the same point that Sahadev is making about you know you can't you have to manage to win that night but you can't grind four relievers into dust uh, because then you don't have them in September when you need them. And, and God forbid, if you make the playoffs, you're a disaster because you have no bullpen. And so you, the Cubs do have to figure out how to get innings out of Smiley because he he has been a capable big league pitcher. You know, it's not as though he's this unestablished guy who you're like, well, maybe he can make it, maybe he can't. No, we know he has the ability to to cover big league innings and the Cubs have to figure out not only how to get him back to that but how to get value out of the innings he does give you in a way that doesn't hurt you every five days and like Sahadev said that's there are some things you can do with playing with matchups you know the Cubs obviously they didn't like the way it worked out with the Cardinals and so it was like well maybe we can do an opener and and play around that way and I think 
it makes a lot of sense with the Blue Jays. Um, you know, from from where I sit, I would, you know, you'd want to line him up to be a true long reliever for that series if needed. Um, but the problem is, you know, Wisniewski and Assad aren't necessarily fully stretched out because you also need them to be available and relief. You don't know how the next three games are going to play out, so you can't exactly precisely make a plan uh, for what you're going to do this weekend. And so, I mean, that's the job. I'm setting up all the questions, and I won't pretend to have the answers because a lot of these things are not answerable until you get their day of. Um, I do think that it's interesting that the Cubs have Caleb Killian now available in the bullpen to eat innings. That's another, I don't think this is a situation where, you know, he has had a run of success at Iowa and I know that there is still some belief in his potential as a starter long-term. I have, I questioned that. Uh, I, I have wondered for a while how he would play because of his, inability to miss bats uh, because he has such a diverse mix of pitches that doesn't seem to really be working for him and because he does have premium velocity in bursts he, he to me seems like a perfect candidate to you pick a fat pick one fastball and pick one off-speed pitch and go and the as we've seen with Daniel Palencia that conversion process can take a little while you can't just necessarily take a starter and be like okay you're a reliever now you're a one-inning guy go and the Cubs have opted for whatever reason to not do that all year with Killian. He's been starting consistently at Iowa, again, with some some success recently. Um, and now he was clearly going to just be here to gobble up innings. You know, he was going to eat the rest of that game last night. The rain came and mucked it up. Um, so I will be very curious to see what his next outing looks like um, because in a way, if if the Cubs do play with Smiley, it's almost like they have several guys available now to just gobble up innings. Um, and unfortunately, again, you can't always plan that because not every game is going to be six runs in either direction. Uh, but I just, I didn't want to get through this conversation without mentioning that Killian is here as well. Um, we know probably, probably still not ready to start in the big leagues. That was uh, David Ross's quote earlier this year. Um, but I don't know. I wonder what those conversations look like about, um, now that last night has played out as it did, what do we want to do with Caleb Killian in the days ahead? Maybe he, maybe he remains just the mop up guy, or maybe you do start thinking about getting, if, if it plays out to permit it, maybe you try to get a little clever this weekend with coordinating Smiley and Killian. Yeah, I mean, the addition of Killian does kind of ease some things in the sense of you have a little length in the bullpen now, and uh, one more, one more arm that can go that can eat up some innings. And yes, yesterday's rain did screw up that ability. And I wonder what they do with Palencia. That was thirty-seven pitches, uh, a rough inning for him. I've been wondering if something was gonna. Yeah, I, like whether you're gonna say, okay, we need we need someone fresh. Yeah, which is, I mean. There, he has flashes of like, oh, he's going to be a great reliever, and then other moments where it's like, oh, man, it's just like too inconsistent around the zone. Like it's not like uh, there's some pitches. Like the, I, I read what you wrote, Brett, and you're right. Like one pitch can change everything. It was so close to having a good inning, um, but I could say that about Anthony Kay against uh, the Reds, right? He, you, it was so close to going one, two, three, and then ends up like luckily it was a twenty to. 
five game at the time to make it 20 to nine, whatever. Uh, but yeah, it's a, I'm curious to see how they're going to work this all out with that bullpen because Killian does give them a little bit more wiggle room there. Uh, and so maybe you can, if Killian stays up, uh, you have you have Assad go because he's the most stretched out, right? I mean, you you basically keep Assad and yeah, and you know I I like Assad. I I think Assad's been looking really good. Like maybe it just makes sense. Like let him make that start and then continue to evaluate. You know, you have two guys that are stretched out and Assad and and Smiley then, and then you just kind of mix and match. You know, it's not like. You're not saying that Smiley's out of the rotation, and you're not saying that Assad's in the rotation. Uh, you're just kind of saying like that fifth spot is is up for grabs essentially, and and we're going to play the matchups, and we're going to be aggressive with how we handle this. We're going to be aggressive with when we pull guys, and and you know close games, we're we're really going to be uh, aggressive with things and really play you know who who fits well in this pocket of the lineup type stuff on that fifth day now that means everybody else has to stay in line you know no jameson tyon has to perform like he's been performing for the past what is it now month and a half uh yeah stroman has to get back to to who he was uh kyle Hendricks has to show that the atlanta game was a blip you know i felt like uh, Hendricks had been struggling a little bit (coughs) before that do you know it was three consecutive quality starts before before that Atlanta start, three consecutive quality starts for Hendricks. Uh, so I, I thought he was a little off, but uh, I think I think because those runs, like there was one game where he pitched like seven innings and he gave up like three runs early and then just worked through the rest and gave them a really good outing. Like that's, I mean, that's kind of the type of stuff you want to see. Like what, that's what you wanted to see from Smiley yesterday. Like, okay fine you had a bad first go out there and and give them innings and 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 like try and push through and 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 bounce back after a rough what everyone assumed was going to be a rough outing um but yeah no you you can't have step backs from the other guys if this is how you're going to play it and that starts tonight with tyone and the mets uh cubs have two more in this series and then obviously the blue jays series in toronto comes thereafter and a lot of what happens in the next two days are going to set up, are going to amplify or clarify this conversation that we've been having today. So we'll see where things stand when we talk to you next. This is Ant Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor. You can get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That is Sahadev Sharma. Get his at The Athletic. We appreciate you listening as always, and we will talk to you again soon. Take care. Take care.